You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 315 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm so excited about uh, this week's episode, Street Travel and Mobile Phone Tips with guest Mark Hemmings, who is an amazing photographer. Looking forward to chatting to him. But like, what have you been doing this week, Val? Oh, goodness me. What have I been doing? I have oh, I'm making more attempts to get out of the house. Yeah, so, great. You know, because <laughs> I'm not in lockdown, unlike you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just got so used to it. So I've been, you know, out and about and going for a walk down by the marina, down to the beach. Yeah, I'm I'm partially successful. Not successful today. Yeah. But hopefully I'll get back into it tomorrow. That's great. Well, I'm uh, heading out of the city tomorrow, so I've got my uh, permits in place to be able mm. to travel and uh, got all my gear packed, and I feel like... Um... I feel like a little kid just before a big school excursion and I think I'll lay out my clothes tonight. It's That's not, a field like, trip for our yeah, North Americans, yeah, for our American field trip, yeah. And it's like uh, for us here in Melbourne, uh, yesterday we, we went from uh, having a, a curfew of 9pm to now there's no curfew. So if Woo-hoo, I want to do the, the, the Macca's run at 11pm, I can legally so uh <laughs> that's that's, that's really exciting yeah maccas uh someone posted in the um so you want to be a photographer facebook group that uh they thought that uh that took them ages to work out that i was saying the word goldies oh. they thought i was saying goalies and he's like oh. why does gina keep talking about goalies and i'm like do I need subtitles, Val? Should oh. like you need to teach me how to speak in. I didn't go to the special private school that you did, oh, so I've got very have, like. You didn't have Mrs. Have, Gig. What is that? Your elocution teacher, yes. Val. <laughs> right, and she would rap you on the knuckles every no, time you said something wrong. Archaic. Did you do the the rain in Spain stays mainly on the. Remember what exercises we did actually. How but... now, brown cow? <laughs> <laughs> and they make anyway. you walk with a book on your head so no. that you've got good posture. It's not the 1930s that I went to school, Gina. Oh, no? No, you're only like a spring chicken. You're only about like 25, Val. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all right, so... Uh, I can't even remember what how we got there. Who knows how <laughs> we get to any of the tangents I go off on. Val. We want to give a big shout out to Anna, who uh, is in the gold community. So that's right. Yes, she's one of the goldies. She's not a goalie. <laughs> and Anna 
has mentioned in uh, on Facebook, there is so much I like about the way you teach. I just can't fit it all in. But as well as all the great, easy to understand technical tutorials, there are little bits of gold everywhere from using a bit of Buddhist wisdom, stay in the moment, to help a person understand and overcome their self-consciousness to the genius reminder to use your phone to test light at a location. I couldn't miss them all. I've watched many tutorials and followed a lot of educators in this industry, but you really are next level. Woohoo! Thank you for those lovely kind words, Vegeta, Anna. Oh, That's my goodness. Nice, yes. I wholeheartedly Shut. agree because I've learned so much from Gina and I'm very lucky that I have you know, I can just bring up Gina at any time. But <laughs> everyone else can also join the gold community just like Anna has to access the tutorials, which are just so interesting, sometimes also very funny and um, entertaining, but always full of useful hacks and information. Um, and if you're interested in finding a little bit more about the gold community and to become a goldie, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. I love teaching photographers from all levels, such as beginners who are learning to shoot in manual mode to professional photographers wanting to improve their lighting skills. As a Gold member, you can learn at your own pace and skill level. Here's what Fran Solly had to say. In the Gold Community, truly does mean that you've got a mentor and that you've got a network of people. The, the thing I really like too is that even though now after you know five years in business and, and after having been part of the Goldies from the beginning, if I send you a photo to critique, you always push me to the next level. There's always something more to learn and something else to refine. That's just great because, you know, you're so good with people just starting out. It's also pushing those of us who've been around for a little while to, to keep improving and to keep trying new things and expanding. When the uh, getting off photo lessons came out, I. I just devoured them, so and it's just made such a difference. So now I feel really confident. If somebody rings up and says, hey, Fran, can you shoot this job for us? I have the skills to be able to do it. I would recommend the Gold Community to anybody. If you are remotely interested in improving your photography, particularly if you're into photographing people, then this is the place for you to be. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic and our guest. So it's street travel and mobile phone tips with guest Mark Hemmings. Now, I think this is a really great topic because the one camera that we always, without fail, always carry around is our mobile phone, right? Mm, mm. So, and constantly we're using it um, to, to for video, for photos, for everything. Um, although, because my mobile phone's always on me, right, when I leave the house. Yeah. Although I'm now experimenting, Gina, so maybe yeah. it's going to go next level. I'm experimenting, leaving my um, phone at home, I know, shock, because... My watch, my Apple Watch, can now do, you know, my podcast, my Apple Music. It yeah. can make phone calls, all of that. So I don't actually have to bring my phone with me. Did your Apple Watch take photos? 
Um, it can take the photos off your phone. <laughs> Like it can control your phone. So, no, it's missing that. But it won't be long, Gina. It won't be long. You reckon they'll be able to make the phone take photos? I think they'll be One contact day. lenses. Well, that's like Google Glass, yes. Yeah. But that yeah. died a death, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, let's move on. Tell us about Mark Hemmings. Yeah, so um, I was so excited that Mark reached out to us and he's a, like, a great photographer. You can um, check out his uh, Instagram at uh, Mark Hemmings, at Mark Hemmings, uh, and fantastic images there. But he's uh, like a professional advertising travel street and smartphone photographer and so and he's also a, a really very great uh, educator and um in this episode he's going to share a, we, we have a really great chat and we talk about all sorts of things like he had a start as a stills photographer so we talk about how that has influenced his work and he worked in japan and uh, the differences between taking snapshots and photos. He's got some fantastic tips at the end of the show that I had never heard of uh, for using uh, with your smartphone. Uh, and we also delve into how you can get inspiration. A lot of people are in lockdown. We can't travel to these exciting and beautiful places. And so, mm. you know, Mark's talk talks about how to find great shots even in your own neighbourhood and how to do these uh, fantastic uh, drills to get yourself to the next level. So finding inspiration, um, all those amazing tricks. And he shares some fantastic um, tips on uh, editing images uh, mobile via mobile apps, uh, which yeah. is also I'd never heard of. And there's lots of little gems in this interview. So I think you'll get a lot out of it, guys. So shall we have a listen? Absolutely. Let's have a listen to Mark Hemmings. Mark Hemmings, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Gina. I'm very good. And thank you so much for putting me on the show. It's really exciting and I'm happy to talk to you. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to chat to you. I just... Um... Uh, I've just been going through uh, some of your Instagram photos and sort of been uh, traveling for a bit, even though we can't travel at the moment. It's just been lovely to have a look through your feed and all the amazing countries that you've been to and quite a few that I haven't visited yet. So they're now on my list. Uh, just really beautiful stuff. Before we get started, where in the world are you? Yes, yeah, so I'm currently on the east coast of Canada in a province called New Brunswick. And not many people know about that, but mm. they usually do know the state of Maine, and we mm. are beside the state of Maine, plus beside uh, Quebec. And Quebec, of course, has the wonderful city of Montreal and Quebec yep. City. Yeah, fantastic. And um, so uh, is that like where you are, is that a fishing port? Um... By all means. Like, uh, of course, now the fishing is probably not nearly as, as it was in the past, but all of the East Coast uh, would have been heavily fishing back in the day and to a certain extent even today. And it's a very distinct architecture that you have there, uh, isn't it? Like very brightly coloured buildings um, and things like that. Is that correct? They're that the ones is that correct. I'm seeing, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and especially if anyone gets the opportunity post-COVID, of course, uh, to visit Newfoundland and yes. uh, also the uh, the south shore of Nova Scotia. Yep. And we have just some real beautiful gems and those fishing village um, uh, scenes, I, I, you know, they probably will be disappearing. Um, 
So let's really appreciate them now. That's my goal. I want to photograph them as much as possible. Yeah, it's like when I saw the images, I was instantly reminded of um, parts of Iceland for some reason. Do, 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 do you see that um, relation? Do, do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, the, anyone, if anyone has been to Iceland, then they would feel comfortable in Newfoundland mm. and vice versa. It's very interesting because, in, and if you think about this, uh, if you look at a globe, uh, the east coast of Canada is not that far away from Iceland and Greenland. Yeah, and right. uh, the flight is not that far. You know, we have flights from Halifax, Nova Scotia to Iceland. And um, yeah, so just the way that the, the earth is curved, uh, we're not too far. And we have similar cultures. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, so you're now exploring your neck of the woods until you can get out. Is that right? So, how how is that experience being? Because I, I think, and I, I think a lot of photographers will agree with this. When you, we always go somewhere else to take great photos, because I think um, trying to take photos in the place that you live, it's so familiar. It's it's often like photographing people that you know very well. There's something about that familiarity that makes it difficult to see the uniqueness of where we live and to, or to see that location with fresh eyes. What do you, um, how do you feel about that? And what do you do to overcome that? That just like, oh, it's always there. I, I can't, you, it almost becomes, well, for me anyway, my surroundings almost become invisible. And it's not until someone else points out, wow, it's really beautiful here. Or did you notice that? You know, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's so true. And the way that, the, the reason I know this is a fact is because in the summer, like last summer and previous summers, we have cruise ships. A lot of cruise ships come into our city, St. John, New Brunswick. And the the people that get off the uh, the cruise ship, they're, they're always looking up when they're walking down the street because we have beautiful architecture, really great yeah. in our city. And, and I was thinking, you know what? These, these guests who are only here for five, six hours see more of my own city than I do in an entire month. And I said, you know what, I have to really practice what I preach because I tell all my photography students that in order to stay creative and to stay, you know, in love with photography, you need to do a photo a day. That means you actually need to look because we're walking up and down our same streets every day. And these are the places, you know, barring a vacation where you go somewhere. But most of the time we are walking the same old streets. So we need to practice the art of seeing. That's, uh, you know, specifically, well, why don't you look up a little bit? Why don't you look down? Um, We need to we need to have that daily vitamin of taking one picture a day. So that's what I've been doing, taking one picture a day just to stay in my game because because of COVID, we can't travel. Yeah. And uh, our province is blessed with a lot of natural wonders, lots of waterfalls, and beautiful architecture and quaint villages. And that's what I've been really focusing on lately. Fantastic. And then it's kind of like it's uh, it's like when you train a muscle, if you're, you know, if you just spend one day a year doing uh, a, a rigorous workout, it's not going to really impact the muscles as well as if you do it every day. You know, it's what you do every day. Mm. And then the more you uh, start looking for images, the more you start to see is what I find. And then, you know, you start to see those little gems, just like the tourists that um, could come off the the cruise ships. Um, Can you remember, um, because you've been 
is it about 30 years now you've been a photographer? You started in the 90s. We seem to have the same sort of um, uh, um, experience behind us. Was it like the, the early 90s that you started? Well, actually, it was it was more on the tail end of the 90s. Yep. I graduated university in 96. Right. And in 97, I got my first job. Um, it was unrelated to photography. It was actually to go to Japan to encourage um, Japanese students to come to our province's university's ESL program. That's English as a second language. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I had five weeks in Japan, and uh, that's when I learned, you know, that, oh, I should really take a camera. I should learn how to take a, take a picture. Uh, my grandfather gave me his Nikon EM. It was a classic <laughs> film camera. And I had a lot of fun, and that was my first introduction to photography. And right after that, I got into the world of um, cinema, uh, working on movie sets, and also trying, starting out uh, as an advertising and commercial photographer. Interesting. So um, working on as a stills photographer, it sounds incredibly glamorous. You're around movie stars and A-listers and and all of that. But it's actually, I believe, uh, one of the most difficult genres of photography because on a film or TV set, the stills photographer pretty much is the lowest in the pecking order. Was that your experience? And you've really got to fight for those shots and fight for the time on set. Did, was that the experience for you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, I'm just grinning now because I, I think that you must have done it before. I've done a lot. You know. and it, I, it's, t- <laughs> it's, t- it's, I mean, it's fantastic training. So I want to ask you how, because I, when I look at your images and um, I just encourage everyone um, to just take a moment to go and uh, check out uh, your Instagram and, and uh, Facebook and uh, website. It's at Mark Hemmings is your Instagram page. But you can actually... I can see the um, the stills background, particularly in the way that you do your street photography. So, how do you think that working as a, a street uh, as a stills photographer and having to really scrap away on set? And I'll get you to give a maybe a, a, if you have a, a story about you know how tough it is on a film set. How has that influenced your um, your your photography and how you see things? Yes. So first of all, the uh, in the working in the movie industry, um, I all, everything everything in my uh, how, what do, what is what's that term? Like uh, I was so filled with desire to work in the movie industry as a stills photographer, and I got my first job, and the first day knowing nothing about any terminology, about call sheets, about you know uh, what does blocking mean, all of this stuff. I was like, oh, my goodness, uh, I actually got what I wished for, and uh, I wonder if this is a good thing or not. But it was a real struggle um, because everyone hates you. Yes, <laughs> you're the worst. You're, you're absolutely in the way all the time. It's a big hassle. <sighs> so what I did was I learned to photograph, um, uh, what would you call it? Um, sur- no. I, was, I photographed sneakily. Yeah. Just after um, the scene was was yeah. cut. Yeah. And I would get so many shots behind the scenes, no one with no one looking, mm. 
And those were actually the ones that the producers liked better than the few that I, I did get when I was standing beside the actual uh, camera operator. Yep. And this, um, this sort of sneaky way of taking pictures was the foundation for my street photography. Now, when I say sneaky, um, I don't ever want to come across as like a, what would you call it, a paparazzi or anything. Yeah. But it did help me to uh, very quickly get a shot that I wanted without being... Um, without being in the way, yeah. without being obviously um, creepy, the creepy guy with the camera, mm. and without making people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I think there's so many fantastic skills that I actually took away from um, working on film and TV sets, and, th and that is like you have to learn to be a team player. Like you can't be that selfish person that's like, this is my time, it's my shot. I'm going, and and you become so aware of everything that's going on around you, which I think makes you uh, a great photographer on, um, uh, you know, in other projects where you're like, you know, if you're a wedding photographer, you should be aware that there are also there's a there's a, a videographer with you. You don't want to be taking their shot and working as a team and also what like you really get your eye in and to, to take those that 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 sneaky moment or the moment that the the director calls cut and you're taking the shot just as he's calling cut so you can sneak in three or four <laughs> frames you know and it was different in the 90s because we you know we didn't have like silent shutters and things like that did you have your gear in a uh, a silencer box and did you have to do all of that yeah yeah exactly it was a very expensive um, yeah. blimp i think it was yeah uh, that's it but if, for the people who don't know what, what we're talking about, uh, back in the day of film with really loud shutters, um, there's a Hollywood company that made these big, they call them blimps, and uh, they're, they're highly, what would you say, insulated mm. cases that kept uh, the sound of the click away from the audio guys on set. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was it was awkward, but it worked. But Man, I, I don't work in that industry now, but the, the silent mirrorless must be a real godsend. Oh, for sure. And that just saves suddenly there's five 5,000 or so that you don't have to invest in gear. And uh, like you know how loud your shutter is. Uh, even in the digital age, if you have to do a, a love scene and you're the stills photographer on that scene and you're all crowded into a tiny bedroom, everyone's on top of each other and you're trying to just out of frame yeah. without anyone hearing it really is a, a, a tough tough industry so doing the uh stills work obviously you know that 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 sets you up for seeing you really learn how to see and read light um really well and did you learn a lot about lighting on set by just watching the guys when they would because you spend a lot of time hanging around just waiting for stuff to happen so you get to watch how 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 um sets are lit and all of that did you get a lot out of that part of the experience yes i certainly did and that helped me to move into a side career of working uh, as a videographer a filmmaker tv commercial um sort of the video side of things mm. and i always i always loved the the difference and learning the difference between photographic lighting and and video lighting because yeah. they're they are very different mm. and they have different needs and uh, my early days in the movie industry certainly helped by uh, as you said observing 
Yeah, I always love uh, seeing photographers that become cinematographers and you can actually see in the way that they film because they're seeing like every image is a beautiful still. Do you, do you see the difference? It's like I think it's a, a, an amazing way to start where they start as photographers and then go into cinematography or videography. I think it's a great um, way to start. Yes, I agree completely. And there's so many examples of that. Yeah. So um, there was a. Th- can you remember the the that first moment, or was there a moment when you looked at an image that you've taken and you've thought, "I'm a photographer now"? Was there a particular shot? Yes. Yes. Let me. Well, there's uh, in various degrees. Um, like I can remember my first shot of, uh, of nature was a curved dandelion. That was, that was when I was in my nature photography phase. Yeah. So I do remember that really well. And I remember my first artistic photo that I took in Japan and on that first trip, which said, you know, okay, so this is, this is my new love is, is experiencing culture with my camera. And that was of a wonderful Japanese man in the, uh, at the Hiroshima Peace Park, uh, under the dome or near the dome, where the uh, where the bomb blew uh, blew up. Right. So that was, and of course, that would have been a very uh, a very important picture, of course, just because of the fact that of the location. But he was also this man was handing out free flowers as a gesture of peace to all the guests, which I thought was really nice. Wow. So yes, there's quite a few of those, and the, I, I remember many of them. For the specific genres of the of the my my interests. So, for example, I can track by year usually what um, new genre really captured my attention and my my love and my my desire to go out to to continue with that genre. And of course, as I'm sure you and most photographers, we do um, transition to different genres mm. like landscape, nature, um, you know. Uh, travel street photography sports all these things all of them can and should be uh, experienced by photographers to a certain degree or another yeah um uh, uh, we all have like phases and and i can actually see that looking through your uh, insta feed as well you you go through like phases where i see okay he's doing street photography now and now okay he's with the uh the um the snow monkeys, is that right? The ones in Japan? Yes, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, you can, you can see that, and I can see that in my work. You just become, I do anyway, it's so obsessed with a certain genre that you just, you've just got to see it all the way through. I'm, I'm intrigued by your time in Japan. So you went over there for a year, is that right? So you lived and worked in Japan for a year. Yes. Um, did... Was it the because one thing I noticed when I was in Japan was uh, the work ethic, and um, I was fascinated. I remember I was uh, sitting on a train, and we'd stopped uh, on a platform, and there was a cleaner there, and I watched him. Um, he was cleaning the the benches, and I mm-hmm. watched how he lovingly did that work, like it was the 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 greatest job in the world and i noticed that a lot when i was in japan like the pride in whatever work that they did and the work ethic was just incredible it was that something that you noticed and did that influence 
um, because everything is perfection over there. The like the architecture, the way they dress. Like I remember, like they they do love to go out in Japan, and um, that you know at night they they go out drinking. But I remember waking up early to do some photos, and there was a, a Japanese um, businessman who had passed out on the on the outside the the station, and he still looked immaculate. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and his phone. <laughs> was just near him of course it was still there in the morning yeah and because like no one would dream of like no one would dream of breaking any rules or stealing it's a very organized and um you know rule abiding society did that have an influence on your work yes uh, a big big yes and uh, the uh, everything that you said is true. And a, a quick anecdote before I get to uh, your, your main question there is that there has been so many times when I've left my camera bag with thousands, thousands of dollars of gear in that bag. And I would I would initially freak out inside. But then I would say, Mark, this has happened to you before. And the bag always, always ends up perfectly safe at the security at the you know at the end, other end of the train yeah uh, and i go back you know an, an hour later to the end destination when the train stops and there it is every <laughs> single time and my friend like i do workshops photo workshops in japan and almost always one of my guests has left you know something on the bullet train or on a private train or in you know on the street even yeah, i left yeah. the tripod on the street it's always there it's amazing well, it's always returned it's returned to the police po box office now a lot of people will be saying well um that's uh that's nice mark what about the photography side well you're absolutely right the the incredible work ethic that i see there not only is a fantastic uh, aspect to photograph because it is, because it's not, it's very unusual to have the high degree of work ethic and um, attention to detail mm. uh, in the world as we, we find in Japan. So if anyone is a documentary photographer or who aspires to documentary and when we can return to Japan after COVID, um, it's a very rich country for not only street photography and nature and wildlife and all that stuff, but specifically documentary photography because there's very other few other places in the world where you would go into any single store or any single restaurant and you would come out feeling like a king or a queen because everyone is bowing to, yeah. to you and saying thank you and welcome and smiles yeah and it's just it's just a gem and i feel you know when i return to north america i just kind of feel like wow everyone's so rude <laughs> 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 and the the light is something else and i think in japan like you know in tokyo it's it's just like uh just concrete and um and glass but like it, it's this huge like even in amongst all the buildings you've got all the light ricocheting off all the buildings and you feel like you're on everywhere feels like a, a film set well that was my experience because yes. it's so beautifully lit and then you've got the you know the early morning sun you've got the amazing shadows it is an absolute wonderland
land for photographers. And then you've got, um, you know, the beautiful areas like Kyoto and the, the bamboo forest there, which I see you've uh, photographed as well, which are just, a, mm. you know, amazing location, I think. Um, so that, that, that's, so that, that work ethic really did rub off on you. And you, you, like, you can see that um, also in, in, in the architectural work that you do as well. So to you, Mark, what's the difference between a snapshot and a photo? Yes. So a snapshot, um, and which I do, by the way, I, I never uh, denigrate snapshots. Um, however, there is a very clear difference. And usually um, I like to tell my students that if you, if you are photographing with intention, um, maybe you don't know exactly what you're doing, but at least you're thinking that you want to put your heart and soul into the picture that becomes a photograph, whereas a snapshot is, um, you know, like, oh, that's a funny sign. Look, uh, I'll take a picture of it to show my friends. That would be the snapshot. They're both both great. But when you're dealing with photography, um, the way I differentiate is, yes, is my soul going into this picture? And if so, then I call it a photograph. And, you know, whether it has any photographic merit um, that doesn't matter so much. Mm. It's, it's more of a, this is a, a gift to yourself. That's what I try to, to teach my students. And the, it, that, that whole notion of the soul or the energy going into the photo, I mean, I love this subject so much because you can, you, you can feel it when somebody cares about the image that they're taking and you know it, regardless of that whether the exposure is correct or anything there's something else in the photo that you can see and feel you know and that, I, I think that's why I talk about a lot it's like take photos of things that you love it'll make a huge difference or things that you care about and I think that's uh, so important so how do you find the things that you care about? How do you find those images? What What is it that you do to um, look for uh, photos? Is it, are you looking for uh, great light? Is it the location? What inspires you? Yes, so uh, I'll preface this by saying that it is infinitely easier to do this when we're away from our <laughs> our own normal environment. We already yeah. talked about that. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, give a few tips with regards to how do we break through the 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 fact that we have seen our main street a hundred thousand times. So when I when I in fact even just yesterday or two days ago I said you know I'm going to go out I'm going to spend the whole day uh, doing street photography in my hometown, and I don't ever I don't do this so much for the fact of familiarity. Yeah. So what I said was, I'm going to practice um, showing off my city in the best light using harsh light. Right. So I give myself a lesson or I, a self-imposed lesson, and that could be a theme. So, for example, if anyone is uh, – if any, okay, what is this? Uh, is this uh, September 27th today? Uh, 28th. In, or, we're in the future here, okay. but yeah, but close <laughs> enough. <in the> <laughs> <laughs> it's the 27th for me. Okay. And in the next five, uh, next month, I'm going to be probably doing mostly street photography, uh, uh, black and white street photography of my home city. Yeah. This is my 30-day challenge to myself. And I really encourage people to uh, pick a theme 
And it doesn't, you don't have to, to stick to it uh, doggedly, but this is just so good to get that engine rolling or that, that pump primed because really a lot of the times because of life, because of, you know, family responsibilities, because of uh, stresses like COVID or health problems, there's a million reasons why we won't go out to do a 30 day, one day photo, you know, self challenge. Hmm. But this is actually extremely good for you. Also, I am, I have no, con- I, I don't have any training in psychology, but this is just human nature hmm. is that I know that when people go out to take pictures, they always feel better, even if their photos are not, you know, maybe they're not the perfect gems that they're hoping for but there's a certain level of uh, internal chemical release in the brain that that pushes out those you know uh, those negative emotions like depression or or anxiety or anything like that so i really encourage people to you know do spend 30 days pick a theme maybe it's just flowers you're going to go to a park every day for 30 days it doesn't matter what the theme is. This is for you to exercise that muscle and to just say no to the the hundred voice, hundred thousand voices all around us that are sort of pushing us into a box, as it were. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with everything you said there. It's like often. Um... I think photographers that are starting out want to believe that it's like, all right, if I'm going to go out and take a photo today, it has to be an award-winning one. And so then the mind starts going, well, if I go out today, I'm probably not going to find that photo or I might find it or I'll want to approach that stranger, but they'll probably say no. And then you go down these whole, whole internal monologue and you end up talking yourself out of even leaving the house because you put so much pressure on yourself to create that. That great shot but if you take it as like a an athlete that's training they're not going out to um uh when they're practicing like a, you know a basketballer shooting hoops is just shooting hoops for the muscle memory of like you know this is what i need to do to remember how to uh shoot hoops from this angle the other angle un- you know under a bit of pressure and things like that and it's like not worrying about the uh, i guess the final outcome and just going out and practicing those drills are what makes Mm. everyone a better photographer i think and it can be done in like literally you could spend i don't know half an hour in in your lunch break just wandering around the city trying to find like you said that like a hard light challenge or or something like that yes exactly yeah Yeah, so i would encourage everyone to do that yeah just get out every day if you can and just one photo i think that is uh, a fantastic idea so when you're looking at images and like we're constantly bombarded with images every day, what is it that stops you in your tracks? What is it in a photo that you just go, oh my God, that's amazing. I need to look at this all day. Yes. Okay. Well, at the risk of sounding a bit on the mystical side, but this is <laughs> I actually- love it. This I is love that, the mystical <laughs> side. <laughs> this is very, it is very practical and very real anyway. Um, all of us have experienced it. When we go through any form of two-dimensional art, whether it be painting or a photograph or a sketch or whatever, if something stops you in your tracks and um, you have that sort of 
that where you're breathing, you know, the quick breath, it's like some, I can, I can feel that this image speaks to me. Now, this is, this is not anything new. This has been the start of art. Uh, you know, when, when the first person started uh, creating art, however, it's still true that there's a certain amount of energy or appreciation that's invisible that we don't totally understand yet as humans that come off that comes off the page that comes off the computer screen if we're viewing images on a computer um, from a, an art gallery and the what I experience is the same as what you and everyone else experiences is that I know the intentionality of the photographer when that when I, I look at that picture and I'm struck by it and it's like my soul says, yes, I want to know about, about that picture. I, I want to consume it in the very best way. And the idea of intentionality is very interesting because we can often uh, read or interpret intentionality by the author of, uh, by the painter, by the photographer, by the sketch artist. And that gives us a window into the creator of that work. And I really hope that when people you know, go through my images, uh, like you mentioned, like on my Instagram page, that they'll even get to know who I am as a person without even knowing me, without even meeting me. Mm. And if that's the case, then I've done my job. Yeah. Yeah, true. And you, and you, and you see that. And, and it's like, it's not the subject. It's like, you know, if there was a winning formula for photography, I'm sure someone would have written a book or created a course about it. Here's the type of images that, you know, are going to get, stop people in their tracks. But it isn't. And I never know what. It's like, you know, I, I was looking at an image of one of the homes where you live with the, the red wall and against the blue sky. Stop me in my tracks, mm. Mark. You know? Yeah, good. And, and, good. and if someone was to tell me yesterday, oh, yeah, you're going to look at a photo of a, a red wall and a blue sky sky and it'll stop you in the track. I would have said, no, I'm not interested. I'm, I like looking at, uh, you know, uh, character portraits and things like that. But it's not the case. It's, it, it, you know, and you can see that uh, you put uh, your love and your heart into that image. You, you feel it. Yes. Oh, I'm glad to hear that because that's it's true because my there I have um, X amount of percentage. Now, I, but people can use different uh, different terminology. I would use heart and soul. Let's just say yeah. I have X amount of percentage for, you know, my family, for my work, for my maybe like I like sailing. So and and then a whole bunch for photography. And I want to make sure that every photograph that I present to the world has some element of my soul or heart and soul into that and i hope people can feel that or read that yeah yep you certainly can and i think that's important and and something definitely to think about so i think that comes down to um the motivation so there was a lot of people that are outwardly motivated with their photography and so with the minute you start thinking i'm going to take a photo that's going to get me thousands and thousands of Instagram likes. So here are all the qualities I need. I know that I've looked on certain pages and if I've got a pretty girl in that photo and she's wearing this and, uh, you know, obviously there should be a, an Eiffel Tower in the background, that's the formula and that's going to get me all the likes. So you're outwardly motivated to take that shot and something about that motivation makes the image fall flat or it, it lacks for want of a better word, yeah. soul. 
It doesn't have a soul, you know? And so, yeah. but when you're inwardly motivated, it's all about, I want to share my joy with the world in an image that comes out of the image, I think, and that's different. And that's uh, why those um, images like the ones that you're taking stand out. Well, you brought up a, big, a great point, and, it, and I would like to um, give your your viewers uh, sort of a, a really concrete example. I always look for sustainability because if you don't have sustainability, you're going to burn out. And what is sustainability in photography? Well, it's creating images, not of that, you know, scantily clad woman, you know, uh, with the pretty background. Because, yes, okay, that'll give you short-term gain, but it yep. will not give you long-term gain. And we're yes. in this for the long haul. Yep. Because you don't want to um, just go for the big uh, instant hit numbers because it's going to, yeah, you'll get a, you'll get. Uh, a quick return, but you will certainly not survive because your heart and soul is not into it. So yeah, go for the images that you love and stop trying to do the numbers game from Instagram. Now I'm deeply invested in Instagram mainly because, uh, I, I guess most of my people like viewing my images from Instagram. Yeah. It's not that I chose Instagram. It's just, that's the way it is. So, uh, but yet still, I have so many pictures that would get me far more likes that yeah. I don't post uh, simply because I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not interested in those photos and they don't, they don't uh, stir a spark inside me. So I don't post them. Yeah. And if you're not interested in the photos, how, how can you expect anyone else to be interested in the photos that you're taking? It's just like it just lacks that joy and that spark. You're absolutely correct. All right. Well, um, let's touch on uh, a little bit of gear here. So uh, when you're shooting, um, what are you going mirrorless now for with all your travel? Yes, yeah, so all travel, uh, I use Fujifilm gear, mm -hmm. and for commercial work, I use uh, Nikon full-frame DSLRs. So, right. for example, for my uh, advertising commercial, anything that's that, um, I have a Nikon D780. It's a, a fairly new camera out this year, yeah. and it's a full-frame 26 megapixel, and uh, it's really good, and it has very good video capability. However, um, the DSLRs are just a, a terrible nuisance for traveling. Yes. So I always take my Fuji. Now, I go through so many different Fujis because I love them all. Currently, I have the X-T4. Right. And the, the Fujifilm X-T4 is brilliant. It's right. absolutely brilliant. It has the best video I've ever seen of any DSLR. Really? Or, how how or, much better is yeah. the X-T4 than the X-T3, which is the one that I've currently got, which... Like I'm not a hundred percent in love with. I have to admit. <laughs> well, it is. I've to be honest. My I, I I've been an X Pro uh, a two shooter. Yeah. So I've never used the XT three. So I can't comment. But I do know for a fact that the has a. It is uh, way better in video. If anyone's right. interested in video. Yeah. Than the XT three. How important do you think uh, it is today for photographers to have that skill in their back pocket of shooting video? Yes. So if you are a hobbyist photographer, you love photography, you just want to go out and shoot, 
then don't ever feel pressure to get into video unless you want to. Yeah. Now, if you are wanting to start a career or you're, um, mid, you're getting into career, you want to maybe transition so you're more income coming from the world of photography, then uh, I do encourage people to learn the basics of videography. And the, the main reason is that a lot of your clients or potential clients um, may want an upsell of uh, video of the mm. same shoot. And that mm. happens quite a bit. And it's just easier to say, yes, I can do it, than saying, well, I can, my, my friend's a videographer, because that will put another barrier between you and uh, that upsell cash, as it were. Because uh, if a client wants something, they usually want it in a, a neat and easy package. Yeah. And if you can do all of their assets for them, both video and photo, then then you have like a, a golden star above your head. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a fantastic skill to have as a value-adding uh, option for your clients. And also, uh, like, I see uh, like the, the, the sort of, and I see it at the moment, it's like getting more and more popular, like the cinemagraphs being used in, in advertising uh, are a lot more popular because, you know, mostly we're, we're viewing ads online, so we've got the option to animate them. And uh, do you do anything with that? Uh, my my clients certainly have, and uh, clients will always ask for a lot of uh, raw assets. Yeah, and uh, they repurpose them constantly. So that's mm. another point for any of your listeners who are who are um, you know um, wanting to get into commercial the commercial world is that clients will if they're good clients. Um, and if they know what they're doing, they will always work toward repurposing. Mm. So repurposing means that they will ask you for a lot of assets that are not necessarily uh, edited or color graded or fixed up at all, uh, but they will be used for future projects because they are always wanting to have the maximum amount of information for whatever future um you know, promotions they need done. Yeah, and so if you're the kind of photographer that can turn up on set and be, uh, you know, help that client in that way, say, okay, so I've got this idea for a still, but did you know that we could uh, just tweak this a little bit and you could use this to create a cinemagraph down the track? So let me just grab a little bit of video here. Like They're, they're the kind of photographers that people want to have around all the time, and I think that that's its kind of um, attitude that gets you booked uh, again and again and again, don't you think? Exactly. And uh, if you can even use that as an upsell saying, well, look, $200 more, let me get a few video clips. And that helps you and it helps them. We're always looking to uh, have that that um, virtuous cycle when we're dealing with clients where we both get value from a certain proposition. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're at a time now when when like you like you're saying that you've got you shoot uh mirrorless when you're traveling you shoot uh dslr on when you're doing the commercial work and there's also uh the the iphone photography or smartphone photography that that is just like the, the the cameras have just gotten so much better in the last few years uh so how important do you think it is for photographers to also have that skill and how important is it to like just be using that that that, that camera that you have with you all the time just to improve your photography skills as well yes yeah, so i'm going to answer this in two different um segments the first segment is for those who do photography for a living or mm. maybe part-time um surprisingly 
I get better results on my iPhone 11 Pro Max for time lapses and for um, uh, walking video shots than I do with my other cameras. Now, this is very, very, and the clients love it. And I don't, I don't tell them I shot it with an iPhone. Yeah. They don't know. They don't, they don't care. All they care about is quality. Yes. So, for example, I, I have done countless professional time lapses of, of, um, of builds, of uh, construction sites being built and whatever. And, of course, I used my large DSLRs. But, you know, the, the iPhone um, time lapses always came out better, the short time lapses anyway. Really? And also the, the walking... Uh, the walking video shots, uh, the stabilization in the iPhones, plus Android, by the way. I, yes. I'm sure there's many great Androids that have stabilization. They're just, uh, for some reason, they're just geared more. Um, they, they just look better. It's smoother, now, isn't uh, it? You don't have yeah. to do all the uh, the post work that you would if you like, you know, if you don't happen to have a, you know, a two thousand dollar sort of gimbal contraction that you wear. Uh, it looks like yeah, something exactly. out of a sci-fi movie with those that. And it's also discreet when you've got the phone, isn't it? Yep, yep. And that's what I was going to add is that, of course, we can get the perfect results with gimbals, but uh, often the clients don't have that budget. So mm. that, that's where the mobile device is great for, for that. Now, if, you are, if you're into photography for the, the pure love of photography, you're not, it's not an income-earning um, uh, element, what I find valuable about the iPhone is that it's just always with you. Sorry, the the mobile device, so yes. iPhone or Android. It's always in your pocket or your purse or whatever. And this is what allows you to get what I've been saying in the past, uh, saying earlier is our photo a day. Now, <clears throat> I get a lot of photos a day. I get my, my, my vitamin in, as it were, uh, just because I have my phone with me. It's not always that I can carry my Fujifilm with me. In fact, yeah. I only carry my Fujifilm with me if I'm, knowing that I'm going to go out to purposely take pictures. But in reality, most fo photos come when we least expect them. Yeah. For example, I could be walking down the street to um, go to my favorite cafe, and oh my goodness, look at the light, and look at this, this, uh, this Triumph motorcyclist, yeah. the classic motorcycle, just going through that light. I grab it out of my pocket, grab my phone, and I got the shot. Bang. Yeah. So with the um, because you've you've actually um, teamed up with uh, the what, what, what's the um, the publishing company that you did the the uh, book on smartphone photography with? It's like, yeah. It's, so it's smartphones yes. for dummies, isn't it? Or is it called iPhones for dummies? What's the name of the book? So, yeah, the 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 name is for those who don't know the the famous for dummies series. It's by Wiley Publishing. It's uh, the world's largest. I think the world's largest uh, uh, book series that teaches on every single subject in the world, pretty much. And uh, so there'll be like, for example, chess for dummies yeah. or Microsoft Windows for dummies. Uh, I ha they they asked me to do iPhone photography for dummies. Fantastic. And the nice thing is, is that uh, wow, it turned out great. I really love it. And I it started going on sale on Amazon.com, American. Uh, about um, two months ago, yeah. but now it's worldwide and uh, it's on every every worldwide Amazon website, and in you know most um, 
most bookstores as well, I think, at least I know in North America. Fantastic. And can you give us uh, maybe a, a couple of your favorite tips for uh, all us smartphone users that we can take out um, and, uh, yes. and try today? Yeah, and uh, I usually start with this, is that um, a lot of people wonder why their, their picture isn't sharp with their smartphone. And it's most likely because they're, they have fingerprints on, their, on the lens. And this is uh, 99% of the time, I, I know for a fact that you can get sharper pictures just by using a little lens cloth. Now, for anyone who wears eyeglasses, you probably have a lens cloth with you. And all you have to do is just gently in a circular motion, just make sure that your iPhone or Android lenses are, are clean. And if you have to use a little bit of your eyeglass cleaner liquid, that spray, just don't spray it on the phone, but spray it on, on, the, uh, on your fabric, that little cleaner all right, lightly, yep. and that, that'll be fine. And the pictures will just be really super sharp. That's the biggest mistake right up front. The easiest, in fact, the easiest. Now, another one, it's very simple, is that photographers or people who always, people who take pictures with their iPhone or Android, they, they're always... Have, they always have their arms outstretched all the way when they're taking pictures. Right. This is not really good. In fact, you should bring your phone closer to your face, closer to your core, uh, because you, you're going to have a lot more stability in the shot. So if you can just envision this, uh, holding your iPhone or your Android all the way out, extended so that it's uh, about two feet away from you, this is how most people take pictures. But because their arms are not strong, like, well, they could be strong, but any little breeze or even your breathing is going to adjust. It's going to have a little bit of shake. Mm. So bring that, that phone back into your core as close as possible that's comfortable, and that's going to be a really great way to get a good, sharp picture. Now, let me think of a third one. Yes, please. A third one would be this. Um, I... I am always a little bit cautious about over-filtering. Um, however, I will say this, is that the Lightroom Mobile CC app, it's called the Adobe Lightroom Mobile. It's yep. an app that you can get for free for Android and iPhone. The, the profiles are really good because you can dial down the percentage, or some people call it the opacity or opacity right. of that profile so that it doesn't look absolutely foolish. So yes. in, when, Insta, when Instagram first came out, every photo in the world had the same filters. And they were cool at first, but then they got a little bit uh, yes. annoying. <laughs> and I'm to blame. You know, if you, I had all of those. In fact, early in my Instagram feed at the very beginning, you'd see a whole bunch of silly looking filters. Mm. So, but the nice thing with the Lightroom, and I encourage everyone to download Lightroom, the Lightroom mobile app, is that uh, when you use a preset or a profile, you can uh, adjust that opacity or that percentage down just so that it has a little bit of that really cool profile or a filter look, but it's not over the top. And you can take it down to 50% or to 75% or whatever you want in order to have a, a, that unique look for yourself. Yeah, but it's not that so, it's so um, trendy that it just it just looks it, – it's something that you think – because it's the shock of the new, isn't it, with a lot of these filters? Like I'm seeing it a lot with the, the matte 
the matte edits mm-hmm. of a lot of photos and I'm like everyone's going to hate this in about six months time or the the, the 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 one that stood out the most I think is um HDR when everyone started yeah. doing that it was hideous <laughs> and now you know you can know. barely look at those images so that I think that's a, a great tip do you have a protocol when you're editing your images uh and you get to a point like your eyes really do become that acclimate to what you're you're editing and like you think it looks amazing and then you might walk away and come back and look at it and go oh my god what, what was i thinking do you have a, a time yes. frame where you allow the like to, to so you can forget the image and then look at it with fresh eyes what what's your technique yeah by all means in fact <clears throat> a little tip that that for everyone is, is so valuable is that if you do use a non-destructive editing platform such as Lightroom or the other one I know of, of course, is just the normal uh, Apple iPhone um, Photos app. This is non-destructive as well. You can make your edits and then, you know, like a a year later or six months later or tomorrow, you can do a quick fine-tune of less of that, maybe that look. Uh, and it doesn't hurt the, the original picture. And a lot of people don't know about that. So that's one thing that's really, really valuable about uh, modern technology is that we're not damaging our original picture when we're doing these edits if we're using these platforms. But the, to answer your question, yes, and even the fact that sometimes, like when I'm often I'm editing professionally even off of my iPhone uh, simply because it's, I use Lightroom. So right. the Lightroom goes, you know, I could load it into my computer. It instantly pops up on my on my phone. I, if I go for a little drive, maybe my daughter's driving and I could do some edits on my iPhone. And, of course, when we're looking at different devices, different size screens, we'll have a little bit of variation from time to time. And that's the value of Lightroom is that I can go back and – Lightroom CC. I'm sorry. Yeah. Lightroom, it's very important. Everyone, <laughs> Everyone who's listening. It's Lightroom CC and not Lightroom Classic yes. that I'm talking about. Uh, you can go back and uh, re-edit that, and it's you can do it an infinite amount of times. It's wonderful. Yeah, I think Lightroom CC is fantastic for anyone who's on the go and and uh, or traveling around because it means that you can always have your images with you. I think it's a, a, a great um, sort of uh, great software for that for that purpose. So, is that your is that your uh, software of choice? Do you have any other apps that you use for editing uh, images on the smartphone? Yes, by all means. So uh, every, my foundation, my whole workflow, everything is built around Adobe Lightroom CC. Right. However, Lightroom CC, uh, and they, they would acknowledge this fully, it's not the best at, say, for example, getting rid of um, a power line, yep. um, doing some healing brush work. So that's why they created different apps, like, for example, um, Adobe uh, Photoshop Fix, Adobe oh. Photoshop Mix. Now, Fix and Mix, that's funny, uh, brother and sister, but these are free apps, and these do the extra heavy editing that Lightroom does not have the capacity to do. For example, Photoshop Mix allows you to uh, um, do multiple layers. This is layers work that, that Lightroom does not do. So if you are wanting to do some really cool artistic stuff with multiple layers, doing opacity and and all of those merging of layers, and you want that. Now, say, for example, you want to erase um, that uh, drunk uncle from the family picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you would go to Adobe Photoshop 
fix, F-I-X. And the nice thing is, is that Lightroom, because of the creative cloud, will allow you to go from Lightroom into these two apps and then back into ah, Lightroom just seamlessly. Like on the desktop. It's really quite amazing. Beautiful. That's yeah. great. So, so you can, can you take the drunk uncle out? Can you replace a drunk uncle with a unicorn if you wanted to? Yes. In, in that, that you can. <laughs> yes. And by the way, um, if uh, if Uncle Daryl is uh, listening, <laughs> I don't Darryl. have a drunk uncle. That is just a <laughs> that is just a common common saying, and uh, and uh, yeah. Anyway, we love you, Daryl. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, I'm going to check those out. I wasn't aware of uh, both those apps. That 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 would uh, come in very handy. So, do you cover uh, editing in the book as well? Uh, to a certain extent. In fact, uh, the editing that I cover is is the advanced, the beginning, intermediate, and advanced editing within the native iPhone Photos app. Now, the reason why I didn't go into details into too many other apps is because the book only had X amount of pages, so I was right. kind of limited. However, it's quite amazing how much how much uh, value in editing you can get out of the uh, the normal uh, Apple Photos app. It uh, has a really good editing set. I'll have to check that one out as well. Some fantastic tips there. Now, is the um, the the smartphone book is that uh, available as an ebook or is it only a hard copy version? It's certainly available as an ebook. Oh, it's, uh, and, and I believe that um, Amazon works with the Kindle system. Yep. But I do. I I don't know if this is the case or not because uh, I don't. Uh, I don't have a Kindle, but I think that it it may be readable as a PDF. But I don't right. know. And in any case, it's a Kindle, and it's uh, less. It's uh, it's a cheaper price than the book. And um, now for for where you. For where you are, is it? Uh, do you have your own Amazon dot? We've got an Australian NZ or something. AU, yeah. Oh, okay. But, but we've also we've got listeners all over the world, so like I guess they'll yeah. they'll just have to go on Amazon and and plug it in. We'll put all the links in the show notes. I've definitely got links to your book, but um, you've also got like a, a whole heap of products available. Like there's, uh, you're hoping to start up your. Uh, travel your photography workshops overseas so have you got a few of those coming up and that's uh what's the next one hopefully fingers crossed for you yes so um mexico and, <sighs> and italy and all of these all of the ones that i've been doing jerusalem yeah they've all been oh, cancelled that looks amazing i'd love to come to the jerusalem one that looks sensational um really yeah. beautiful well, that's yes. still on yeah um that's in april right we sh- we shifted it to April. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be now. Actually, I was supposed to be there as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in any case, uh, November was supposed to be our our um, wonderful Tuscany, Italy trip. Mm. But we're pushing that to next year. So the only one that I I'm really banking on, that that I'm really hoping is a go, is uh, my annual Japan trip, and that'll be in January. 
Well, fingers crossed for you, Mark. And so um, yes. you can check all that information out at markhemmings.com. So that's um, H-E-M-M-I-N-G-S. And uh, you've got your folio there. All the information is there. And I've also got links to your Facebook, YouTube, uh, and all the books and tours in there in the show notes. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. I uh, would love to have you back on. I think we only touched on it. We go into great detail in a whole heap of other areas. So uh, I wish you uh, continued success. I hope the borders open soon and uh, we can all start traveling again. But for now, thanks so much. Wonderful, Gina. It was a pleasure. And yes, I would love to come back anytime. And a big uh, hello and greetings from Eastern Canada to all your lovely listeners. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. All right, we're back. After chatting to Mark Hemmings, that yeah. was great, Gina. Yeah, Thanks lots of good tips that. there. Yeah, no problem. Some great tips, yes. Um, all right, so what are you doing in the coming week, Gina? Well, I'm heading off uh, for a couple of days now oh, yeah, to do this right. shoot. And also exa- right now um, I uh, treated myself, well, I'm going to go and play with my trigger valve, and that's not code for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're going to play with your trigger. <laughs> I'm going to go play with my trigger. I treated myself and I bought myself a uh, a special trigger for my camera mm-hmm. and I can't for my life of me. It's not in front of me, remember what the name is, but once I um, get, work out how to use it, uh, but basically um, it can it'll uh, set your camera off by light. So if you are outside oh. and there's a big lightning storm going on, oh. uh, you can set it up and whenever the lightning flashes, the camera goes off. It's that right, sensitive. What are you going to use it for, that? Well, no, because I got it because I wanted to do work out a way. Because when I'm photographing people, say I'm photographing someone running towards the camera, and there's mm-hmm. a particular spot where I know that I need to shoot to get to get, for the flash to go off. So it's like not just high speed photography, but high speed photography with flash. And so what mm-hmm. I've been doing in the past is it's as simple as I set up my shot, I work out, I put my light, you know, set up my light, or you know, have my assistant there holding the light, and then I actually get the model to take like maybe take five steps back. And then I mm-hmm. count them in and they run and I, I time how long it will take before they're actually in line with the flash, which is really complicated, right? right? So yeah. this particular trigger, what you do is uh, you set the trigger up next to the flash and then it's got this laser beam. Like, did you ever watch, is it Mission Impossible when Tom Cruise jumps, drops from the ceiling and he's breaking into a bank and there's all those lasers on the ground, he's got a, you know... Um, well, maneuver them. There's in, all sorts entrapment of mission with in, Catherine Yeah, Jones. lots of uh, movies like that where you see like they're trying to break in and the um, they're not allowed to step on the the lasers because as soon as they yeah. cut the laser, the alarm goes off. Right. Mm. So this is, uh, I guess, a similar notion. So I've got a, like I set the laser across the path of where my person will be running or walking, and the minute right. that they break the laser beam. The flash goes off. Oh, clever! Yeah, right. and, the, and fi- fires the camera. Okay, how good cool. is that? And that's so pretty good. The laser didn't come with it, so I actually, you know, had to go buy a laser. Like it's very geeky, but yeah, that's so that's <laughs> playing with my trigger, Val, and playing with my trigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
That's great. Yeah, so I'll, hopefully I'll be able to share some photos. But that's what I'm, you know, planning on. I want to do people. Uh, I've had this in my mind for ages, actually sprinting towards the yeah. camera. Like, because you, can okay. you imagine how dynamic that would look, but also lit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant. Mm. Okay. Mm. I can't wait to yeah, see the results of your trigger. Yes, me too, Val. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Where do we find you online? So you can find me at GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd love to work with you. Go to GinaMilitia.com and click on, uh, the, like, join the community. Go to GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? Fantastic. I've got my trigger on my mind. <laughs> Sounds like it. You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.